Welcome to the Nashville Fitness Podcast, hosted by doctors of physical therapy, Chris and Ross. Here we're going to dive into all things movement, health, and fitness. And we're going to chat with some local fitness experts and friends about their areas of expertise. We hope you enjoy it. episode of the National Fitness Podcast. Today I had the privilege of hanging out with Jenny Clayton. Uh, Jenny has been a runner for a long time, has her own coaching and kind of performance program and uh, look forward to diving in and really hearing uh, some of her expertise. Gosh, you've ran Boston what feels like a million times and you've got this crazy run streak that we can't wait to hear about as well. So uh, thanks for hanging out with us. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yeah. So tell us a little bit. How did you get into running? You've been running for quite some time now. Kind of, kind of dialogue with us there a little bit. Mm-hmm. Well, sure. I, I ran, you know, a little bit in in junior high and high school, but was very solidly in the middle of the pack. Was never just. <laughs> I would not have called myself a strong runner at all, and really discovered it more seriously as as an adult. We had in 2009. My family had moved. Um, back to the Nashville area and I had a four month old baby and um, we got back to Nashville and everybody just talked about this country music half marathon. It's the thing you do when you live in Nashville. And of course having this, you know, remote interest in running and knowing that I enjoyed some running and had always kind of wanted to run a half marathon, I jumped into that and had a ball, trained myself, enjoyed it. Yes, yes. And, and felt like I, you know, got back into pretty decent shape with Again, with a little, a little one at home. That's hard with a little one, man. That's it's hard. It's super hard to finally like make time for yourself and get out and run a little bit. For sure, but but from then I was just you know a little more uh, addicted, I guess. I don't know that's a that's sort of a strong word, but just really, really did enjoy that process. And soon after, found a running group, found some running people, nice. got talked into pursuing um, coaching certification, which I I kind of did Love initially it. just for myself, just wanted that information to be able to coach myself a little more um, intelligently. Um, but things kind of started rolling from there after I got the certification. Right. You know, people I knew were asking for help, <laughs> and here we are. I love it. I love yeah. it. So tell me a little bit about that kind of coaching process. Like, how did that, you know, you go for certification, and then, like, what are some of the things that entailed, or what did that equip you with to feel like that it helps you either your own run form or, or even, you know, clients in the long term as well? What are some of the kind of things you got from that? Sure. Well, so not that the certification wasn't important, but 100% what has made me a better coach over the years is just the experience you know working with different kinds of people who want to run different kinds of events who have different mindsets who have different um you know foundational ideas already when they come to me about how they need to train for a certain event um and and just working through all those different scenarios is what has made me a stronger a stronger coach i think um and, and also just learning how to relate to people a yeah. better and, and finding out what's going to make them tick and what's going to motivate them. And and so, you know, I write training plans, I guess, in its essence, that's what I do. People want to have a certain goal in mind, and I help them get there through the training. Uh, but it tends to be a whole lot more than that, usually. Yeah, you know, always. It's, a, it's a, lot of, a lot of the more, um, well, you know, working through workout and race day anxiety. Yep. And, confidence and um, time management just to have the time to train and so true goal setting all those different kinds of things so yeah there's it, so many so many things that go into to coaching and we'll, we'll chat a little bit later about sure. kind of what it looks like to work with you in, in great detail you know so you obviously applied some of these principles and then you know ended up running how many times have you run in Boston now 
Yeah, so this last month was Boston number nine. Yeah, it's crazy. Like that's a that's a lot of Boston. So Boston. so how did you go from just like, all right, I'm gonna sign up for this half marathon to like, all right, I'm gonna run I'm gonna run Boston nine times. Oh gosh, well I really have the running group to thank for that. Um, I, I started so after I did that first half marathon, I discovered a local running group, the Franklin Road Runners, and I just met so many great people in that group and it that I had a complete mindset shift when I started running with those folks and met those people because I showed up thinking, I've done a half marathon. I'm a pretty serious runner. Who are you guys? Well, and it was like everywhere I looked, people had done multiple marathons. And that was, you know, something I was tossing around. I wasn't real sure if it was something I could do. I had no idea how to train even for a full marathon. But suddenly I'm surrounded by all these people who that's just what they did. They that's just great. They were just training for marathons and it seemed like the most normal <laughs> and natural thing. And so, you know, I made a, a few close girlfriends and we started training together all the time and we decided on, this was probably about uh, six or eight months after I joined the running group, we decided we wanted to run a full marathon together. Yeah. And, um, I just loved it. I actually qualified for Boston in that very first marathon I ever ran, which I think is unusual um, yeah it's impressive yes so what's the what's the time domain you have to hit for those who don't know I mean, it's not easy I mean, you can't just be an everyday recreational guy just your gal and just go qualify sure. for boston so sure well it depends on there are different standards depending on whether you're a man or a woman and how old you are so the women the, the qualifying standards are a little more generous for the women and it gets more generous as you get older sure so um yeah, it's in. It seems like they make it a lot harder on the men <laughs> than the women. If that gap to me is large, um, but so if you're curious about that, anybody listening, just just take a look at the Boston Marathon website. Yeah, figure out your particular qualifying standard. For sure, for sure. So ran Boston nine times, and you've got this crazy run streak as well, which I think is pretty pretty impressive. What's the run streak at right now? Well, I thought you might ask that today, so I don't always have a number in my brain. I have a rough estimate, but today is day 771. Man, that's impressive. I missed a day of running. Now, everybody makes their own rules for run streaks, right? Mine sure. is at least one mile a day, so oh, I, I do have... I call them relative rest days. Yeah. Know? So on days that I run one mile, that feels like a rest day to me. But I have not taken a day where I didn't run one mile at least That's in, in over two years now. In so. the snow, in the hot, hot heat, all of, it. All of the above. All of it. I mean, it, it's yeah, that's that's impressive. You obviously do love running if you've ran that many days in a row. So much, and but you know, now it's a like I can't break it. I, <laughs> I know at that point you're just like, all right, well, I just gotta if I gotta get up early to get it done, I gotta yes. get it done. You know, and people who ask about it, it's this it's the same story every time. Something really bad has got to happen for me to break the streak now because I just <laughs> I, I want to see how long I can keep it going. Yeah, for sure. I love it. I love it. So I mean, obviously you've been pretty durable as a runner to, to not only run that many days in a row, but but nine Boston's. Like what what kind of what do you feel like has been the secret to, to being durable? And, and I'm sure we, I mean, I think we even alluded to it, like, I haven't really had that, that many injuries or anything that's really kind of gotten in my way. So how have you remained so durable? Yeah. Well, it's one of my favorite things to talk about because that's what, it's just, I think it's at the top of a runner's, you know, thought process all the time, like worrying about getting injured or doing things to prevent injury and so for me yeah I've gone a long long time without a significant injury and I think there's a lot of factors at play right I think 
genetics, you know, probably genetically gifted in some way. I think body mechanics might tend to be naturally smooth or forgiving or whatever it is that I'm just very, have adapted nicely to (laughs) running lots of miles every single day. Um, But I also think, um, you know, something super important is um, that I've never really been one to restrict calories. Yeah, that's huge. Even when I'm not training really hard, I just think it's it's super important to, to fuel, and we hear it all the time, you know, you've mm-hmm. got to fuel appropriately, appropriately to be able to train well, um, but I just, I have found that, now of course, I've had that thought, that typical thought that I think many runners have, especially women, sure. lighter and yeah. leaner equals faster, right? Exactly. And, and I think it does to a point, however, when I've had times where I've been maybe trying to trim down a little or lean out or get faster or whatever it is it sucks all of the joy out of running for me just like immediately you know yeah. I, I don't feel good running I don't sleep as well I don't easy runs become hard everything becomes hard it's no fun anymore and then if I have a certain pace base work workout I can't hit the paces and then yeah. I'm frustrated so yeah, anyway, that's, think, that's like your body's warning sign at that point, you know what I mean? Like, and I think people ignore that so many times. Like, that's one of the biggest issues I see with the runners that come in here, even some of my high school runners, right? It's like, they're just so underfueled, and, and they'll come in here, and they wonder why they got all these injuries or why they can't get them better. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the biggest indicator, right? These kind of check engine lights, if you will, yes. right? Like, I can't hit my paces. I'm feeling exhausted. Like... It's just at that point, your body's telling you something. You should really listen to it. And I think people just think it's normal because they're busy, right? Like they're maybe they have kids, or um, you know, they've got a busy work life, and they've got a bunch of things at home they're dealing with. You know, it's just like that constant barrage of things, and then they're they think it's normal to feel that way, and it's not, right? Right. Oh, absolutely. I I couldn't agree more. And I, I it's something that has really helped me over the years, or it's something that I've tried to focus on is. Replacing that whole thought process that, you know, lighter equals faster, replacing that with, I know that when I step back and look at the big picture of my entire running career, perhaps I have sacrificed a little bit of speed, you know, for being not as lean as, you know, absolutely could be for not putting that at the top of my priority list. But I don't know, actually, if that's true. I think that you know, not having a bunch of stops and starts because of injury that a lot of runners do. I think yeah. over the years, maybe I'm a, even a better runner than I would be if I were, you yeah. know. Yeah. No, it's a great point. Like, I'll get a bunch of runners sometimes, like, in the middle, especially some of my high school college runners, and they get injured before the season starts or right as a ramping volume, and then now they've essentially missed a whole season. Yes. And then by the end of the season, they're like, all right, I'm still not in as good a shape as I could have been because of that injury or same thing we're talking about qualifying seasons and it's um it's tough du- durable and longevity is much more important than all right i'm gonna trim down a, a couple pounds yes. what uh what cues would you typically give people or what tools do you give them from a um, you know a calorie standpoint right because just saying hey make sure you're fueling enough is kind of a loose recommendation i think everyone hears that you know, what are things you typically like to recommend sure well so here's my favorite and thing question <laughs> I think, you know, because I, I find it difficult, truly, it's rare that somebody asks me, how many calories do I need to eat? You know, I, I don't get that question a whole lot, but something a little more vague. How much do I need to be eating or how do I know if I'm fueling appropriately? And I think it's it's uh, 
two big clues, you know, and we, I kind of mentioned it before, like if you're hating the runs, <laughs> if you're feeling terrible on every single run and you're dreading it, you're probably, you know, you just yeah. feel fatigued all the time and you feel like you can't recover, you're probably under fueling. Also, um, if you are just in a bad mood. That's <laughs> <laughs> true. You know, hangry. Yeah. Hangry about you know other things, not running related. If you feel like you got a short fuse with your family or you just dread getting out of bed in the morning again to go for the run and you're not looking forward to any of the training. <laughs> I, I, you know, I think a lot of people look at, well, is it too many miles? Is it too, am I not sleeping enough? I, I think it's important to to really look at that too like am I, am I eating enough yeah for sure I think that those are the biggest things and then I would add to that list hey if, they've got a, if you've got a bunch of injuries that are popping up or yes. something that's lingered for a long time yes. that is oftentimes one of the biggest indicators that, that someone is under fueled mm-hmm. right but especially with what you just said if you're feeling off all the darn time yes that that is big time step number one you know, and then I talk about it with athletes all the time too. Hey, what's your sleep like? What's your stress management like? You know, if you compile the fact that you're underfueled, you're stressed out to the max, and you're sleeping, you know, less than seven hours a night of good quality sleep, mm-hmm. it's a recipe for all the things that we just described, right? One hundred percent. What uh, What other things do you you know see or issues that people have that you know would maybe not allow them to be as durable, right? Like. That's, that's the biggest thing I think runners are after, right? It's like, how do we continue? Because like, I, I mean, I'm the same way with any kind of fitness. Like, I want to be able to continue to run. I want to be able to continue to work out. And when I can't, I'm frustrated. So what other tools do you have or recommendations from, from that standpoint? So two big things pop into my head almost immediately. And, and the first would be consistency. Now, mm-hmm. I'm not telling people they need to run every day for 771 days. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't. I don't think it really does us any favors physiologically to train hard for your marathon, have a great race, and decide you've earned four months off of no running and you want to come back. It's just not going to work out well for you. Now, of course, two two weeks of downtime and just easy cross-training or whatever it is you like to do, time off of running, then I think... If your plan is for another marathon the next season or even within the next year, you kind of need to be easing back in sooner rather than later. And and even if that's just, you know, easy runs three days a week, but um, people don't understand why they, you know, <laughs> regularly, after every race, they take a long block of time off. And why is it so hard to come back? I yeah. <laughs> I don't understand. I thought it was okay, man. You can yeah. decondition really quick. Really quick. It could take four months to feel like you're conditioned in any capacity and lose it all within half that time, you know? Yes. And then, and then want to be frustrated when they feel unfit and mm. get injured when they try to jump back into where they were so true. in the peak of their training in the previous season. So, you know, I'm nothing if not consistent. That's mm. <laughs> I love to tell people <laughs> that. And, and, you know, I, I talk to myself that way sometimes too. Like just consistency is huge. So um, true. So that's, that's one. Um, the other is strength training. You know, yeah. runners want to run. It's all they want to do. <laughs> it's all we want to do. And we are, we're all busy people. we got lots going on. There's only so many hours in the day. But the strength training is, I think if you're a lower mileage runner, if you're somebody who just enjoys 5Ks, 10Ks, and you're not running 50, 60, 70 miles a week, you can get away with a little less of that if you truly don't enjoy the strength training. But the kind of stress that we're introducing with the higher mileage stuff you have really have got to support that with regular strength training so true yeah i mean big things that yeah a couple big takeaways from there right i think consistency is one of the biggest things right 
and this research study applies to, this was done on CrossFit athletes specifically, but you can extrapolate that out to other fitness. I'm sure I could probably find an article on it, but there was a study that talked about CrossFit athletes were, I forget the exact percentage, much more likely to be injured if they trained less than three days a week than those athletes who train five plus days a week. Seems very counterintuitive. Mm -hmm. Hey, if I go out and doing CrossFit, which most people think is extraordinarily dangerous, right? Uh, if I'm doing CrossFit six days a week, I, you're much, you gotta be much more likely to be injured. But it's not, and it's that consistency piece. Acute spikes in volume are a, a, one of the biggest ways someone ends up injured, right? All right, I ran five miles this week, I'm gonna go out and run 10 miles the next week, right? Or, hey, I'm gonna take four months off after my last marathon, and now I'm gonna go right back to where I was before. It's a terrible idea, right? Yes. You're gonna feel in bad shape and your body's gonna hate you as well. Uh, absolutely. Uh, so I, I, I like it, yeah. So, you know, your 700 days right now, consistency is, you're definitely checking that box. So I think consistency is a big one. Um, and, and then absolutely paying attention to, you know, all those other areas, you know, like we talked about. So, um, cool. So I, I like it. I think those are really big takeaways, big keys for people. You know, how do you typically guide people with some of this volume and consistency? Like, how do you build some of that in with some of your, your coaching programs? Yeah. So one of the most important parts, I think, of what I do is when I start working with a new client, I, hopefully I'm able to see, uh, use a program called Final Surge, which is how we communicate yep. back and forth, you know, post the workouts for them there and they leave comments and such. And so when we first get started, I'm typically hopeful that they have been running a little bit already and have some of that data from their Garmin or their, their Apple Watch or whatever it is and ask them to upload that mileage to Final Surge so I can see the last month or six weeks or so. Or, so I have sort of like a, an idea of where they are at baseline and then kind of depending on, well, a lot of things. Their, their running history, their goal, what they've been doing the last six weeks, injury history, all of that, we kind of, we kind of build from there. Yeah, that's um, great. And so it's, you know, everybody right now thinks I'm going to say something about the 10% rule. No, <laughs> I'm not. I, you know, I, that works for some people, but yeah. it's that lots of nuance. There's there. so many nuances to yeah. it. I mean, it's a loose recommendation, right? Mm -hmm. I think for me personally, I'm more inclined to maybe go that route, the 10% rule, right? Which for those of you who aren't familiar, like in theory, you're not supposed to spike your mileage more than 10% a week. If you got somebody who's maybe novice or somebody who's freshly coming off an injury, maybe, or every time we get to a mileage point, it comes on. But again, right? Like I've, I've broken that rule plenty of times with people and let them, let them ride. Yes, yes. Uh, well, how do you tie some strength training stuff into that, right? So that was a big key of kind of your durability, and I agree. How do you tie in some of that with your runs? Do you, when you're working with clients, do you typically make recommendations on that, or how do you, how do you go about it? Yeah, I do. Um, so there is a book that I, I really like that I send to all my clients. It's called um, Quick Strength for Runners. That's, That's great. Jeff Horowitz, if anybody wants to check that out. And so he's got great workouts outlined in the book, you know, what to do and when. Um, my issue, well, not really an issue, but my, my one small complaint <laughs> with his workouts is that they're they're super long. And I know that when people have already done a run, they're probably not yeah. good for another 45 minutes to hour of strength yeah, training. So right. I have taken some moves that I really like from his book um, and sort of formatted my own workouts that I, I get like that. It's really cool. Yeah. Times a week. So yeah, yeah they get like a 25 to 30 minute um, sort of full body strength training workout cool. twice a week. My philosophy, I think every coach is different on this. For I sure. love for them to do the strength training on the hard running days. Yeah, I like it. Stack that on top of like a track 
workout or long run, which I do have clients who hate that <laughs> a lot because it's it's number one, it's it's time consuming and also it's hard. You know, you've just yeah. done this hard run and now you got to go strength train. But that's that's beneficial for a number of reasons. Absolutely, we can talk about that if you want. Yeah, to. yeah, yeah. Um, so twice a week they get a, a modified workout like out of the book, and then I ask them to supplement with a little bit of core stuff. Yeah. you know, throughout the weeks too. I think that when you strength train on top of a hard running workout, it's it's good for two reasons. Number one, when you stack your workouts like that, the fitness, you know, stress induced yeah. um, that you get. Uh, from doing the two workouts it builds fitness faster than if you had you know if you push the strength workout to the day following the hard run you would miss out on some some a fitness boost yep um but also if you think about you know if i ask you to do those two hard workouts on tuesday then you have all of wednesday thursday and friday is easy days till you got to go hard again on saturday so yeah i like the extended recovery time especially for a little bit older runners you know runners and 40s and 50s I think having three full easy days in between the two hard days is yeah. kind of life-changing yeah I mean I think it's important I see a lot of runners that's a mistake I'll see them make they'll just go out in the same intensity for every single run and like mm-hmm. that's that's problematic right I mean hey if I'm just going to go out and run you know it's my long run day I'm going to go out and run six seven miles or whatever their long day might be and it's the same pace it's the same tempo or all their runs are that way so walk me through kind of a hard day and an easy day what's this and I know that's individual based on the goals but kind of generally what should that look like yes so maybe one of the things that my athletes don't love about the way I coach is that on easy days there will not be a prescribed pace because yeah. that's going to change based on so many factors are you hydrated did you sleep well what's your stress level what do you have you know what what'd you eat yesterday all that so true and so you know i can if if people are desperate and just really really need some guidance in the beginning then for sure i will give you a range um but mostly i just want it to feel easy i want you to feel conversational i want you to feel like you could speak a full paragraph if you had to while you were running and uh, you know some people like to watch their heart rate. I I don't have a problem with that at all. I, don't, I typically don't assign runs based on heart rate because I want people to learn how to do it by feel. Yeah, I like that. Relying on their technology to, to tell them if they're doing it right. I think I think the best way is to just to listen to how you're feeling. Yeah. Um, so easy runs, you know, vary based sure. on ability, of course, but I want it to feel easy. And again, you know, a Sunday easy run for me is a whole lot slower than like a Thursday easy run because usually I've run pretty hard and pretty long on Saturday. And so Sunday, feeling kind of rough. Uh, yeah. And so that easy run's a whole lot slower than, than another easy run during the day. And then, you know, typically for people who are, who are marathon training and after a certain time goal, then... Um, the Tuesday Saturday runs, which are the workout days, so like a track workout on Tuesday, mm-hmm. that's very pace based. Pace based. It'll be assigned paces. You know, like depending on where they are in the cycle, the workout varies quite a bit. But there's always, um, you know, warm up assigned, intervals with paces, recovery segments with paces, and then a cool down. I like and it. And then kind of the same thing with the long runs on Saturdays. It's just longer blocks of assigned paces within the run yeah i think that's important right you got different paces you've got 
different, easy, hard, like all that stuff is sprinkled in, which is important. And that's only going to help kind of the recovery process. And like, that's how you've been able to run 700 something days in a row, right? Is like, if, if you, if you went out and ran a hard run every time, you're going to be injured, your body's not going to be able to keep up with it. And I know that's a big mistake a lot of people make. An easy run still turns out to be a pretty hard run. You know, heart rates up in those upper zones, you know, maybe not even able to keep that pace. They wouldn't be able to maintain that for prolonged periods of time. Um, what other mistakes do you see, you know, on the flip side of just kind of recreational runner, what mistakes do you see people make typically as they're trying to qualify for, for Boston or just trying to ramp their mileage up? Like, what are some common things that you see or, or that you help clients with there? Yes. Well, so you touched on the big one. You know, you got to slow down to speed up. You've, just, yeah. you've got to. Um, people that, I still encounter so many people, even, even experienced runners, who think that if they truly are running slow and easy on their easy days, they're missing something. Like they're, yeah. they're missing out on some fitness that's out there for them. Um, but it's, I, I think what people don't realize is that if you're running in just a, a kind of a hard zone, like it's not really easy and it's not really pushing the pace, you're just in sort of like this dead zone, you yeah. know, where you're not getting fitter, but you're also not letting yourself recover. Yeah. So you're compromising future workouts um, by denying yourself that recovery. So that really is the big one. And I know pe people are, they want me to tell them right now, how, what, is, what should my easy pace be? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but again, that just that varies so much. It's hard for me to, to say for for just the general population. I could I could tell someone who I've been working with for a while. Like, sure. Certainly I could I could give them a range, but um, it just needs to feel easy. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that's the biggest key and takeaway and so many people don't want to do that. I know I've done that before in my own fitness journeys where you're just like, I just want to push the pace every single time and continue to get out there and but then like you say, you go out and run at the same pace every single day, the same mileage, it's gonna be pretty hard to bust through that that plateau. I mean, that's like going to the gym every day, picking up a 15, 20 pound weight, doing 30 curls with it, setting it down, and then hoping you get stronger at those. Mm -hmm. you're, you're just not gonna do it if you don't change it up, right? Sure. And that's the, the big time importance of that, right? So um, I think it's always super important to hire a coach. I'm, I'm, a, I'm pretty biased as it comes to really anything, depending on your level of fitness, right? Whether you're a triathlete or you're a runner, or crossfitter, whatever it might be, I think it's super important to, um, you know, have somebody in your corner, right? It's gonna help you get there and achieve the things that you want. So what's your advice on, uh, you know, hiring a coach? When should you do it? When should you not? And kind of, kind of walk us through what you would typically recommend somebody. Yes. As soon as possible. <laughs> Yesterday. <laughs> yes. For, for, you know, any big goal that you have, hire, hire a coach. It is the, well, the accountability is just when you have someone to be accountable for what you're doing in training that changes everything. And, and the thing that I, I've been coached, um, gosh, for a long time, since I think about 2015 was when I first hired a coach, uh, a running coach. I just, coaches will ask you to do things that you would never ask yourself to do. So true. You would make up this lovely, elaborate story about how you're not <laughs> capable of X, Y, and Z, and I'm not that kind of runner, and I can't do that. <laughs> Those workouts are for someone else, but when you have someone objective, like you said, in your corner, somebody who's completely objective, who has seen what you've done, who's looking at the goal and can write you a plan that's tailored to you and believes you can do it, wouldn't give it to you if they didn't think you could, could, could do it. Um, it just changes everything. 
you know, because so you can kind of set aside that whole story. Well, if, if coach thinks I can do it, I guess I might as well try, and what do I have to lose? Next thing you know, you've surprised yourself with the last three weeks of training, and you are a completely different runner. <laughs> exactly. Um, so yes, I, th- I think it's huge. And even, you know, sometimes I have people tell me, well, I can find a training plan. I know yeah. what to do. I can, I can figure out how to train for a marathon. Probably. You probably can. But it won't, you know, the, you're missing a lot of potential there. I yeah. Think, for how, how fast and how efficient and how well-trained you could become. Yeah. And what do you think the issue is with that, right? Again, because these things are programmed to the masses, right? And so I think you've, you've kind of alluded to it, right? It's like you've got somebody who can say, well, that pace is too fast for you, right? Or, hey, no, you can you know, you can push that a little bit harder, right? Yes. Because, again, if you got something that you're just kind of casually doing and, and you think, oh, i got a good workout and i follow my training plan, but, hey, you could have you know, maybe even pushed the pace a little bit harder when you've got somebody who's helping you do that. They're going to help you tailor that up or down depending on what it is that they need, right? Or, or make exactly. it custom to their individual exactly. needs. Yes. So, so one of the huge benefits I think in in that situation, you know, is having someone who's got you <laughs> in you know in your best interests at heart, and it's not just a plan for the masses, like you said. Is um, like if you need to tweak something, if you let's say you get sick and you miss three days of training, or you yeah. have a little injury here or there, you have to travel and you you need to shift some things around. It's hard to know what to do, especially so if true. you're a relatively new runner and you've just pulled a plan off <laughs> off the internet or out of a book or whatever. It's, it's hard to know how to tweak that without risking injury because you're, you know, resuming running too aggressively, or you're training too easy or below your level, which I think is. Is bad too. It's a massive issue, yes. right? Yeah, if you get both, it, it should be the Goldilocks zone, right? Like if you're yes. way over training, that's an issue. If you're way under training, that's just as great of a of an issue. Or not to mention, hey, life gets busy and you need that plan modified. And a lot of people will either you know skip that and just move on to the more intense runs, or they'll try to compact all of that and try to get them in and make it up, and then they're injured, and then they're just like, well, I'm just not going to run this half marathon because I'm banged up. Exactly. Exactly. Yes, I get lots of questions about quote making up the miles, <laughs> and um, most of the time that's a terrible idea. Very you know, bad. Again, idea. different situations, different people, but it, that doesn't usually work out well. No. <laughs> it doesn't end well. So it's it's amazing to have a coach who will push you to to run to your potential, but also like looks at the whole picture and and will make the training plan work for you um, and modify it as you need. I love it. I love it. Yeah, I think that's important. Yeah, modifying, meeting you where you are, and that's obviously a really important part of, of having a coach. So um, what's one thing you wish that um, you you know now that you would have known when you first kind of started running? And I'm sure you could probably come up with 8 million. <laughs> that it takes a really long time <laughs> to, to really see the improve, the kind of improvement that most people want to see. Yeah. And that... You know, I, 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 again, I think I was unusual in that I qualified for Boston, but if you had told me that it would take me, gosh, 12 years <laughs> to improve to where I have, um, I, I probably still would have done it because I love running that much. Yeah. But I think, I think new runners, they, you know, they're impatient just like everyone else and they want to see improvement and they want to see it like now. And they think, over the course of one training cycle they should go from zero to 60 
and it just it, it really is something that you just you develop over a number of years and so you kind of have to figure out a way to well not kind of you have to figure out a way to fall in love with the, the way of life that is training and the yeah. process that is training and and hold loosely to the goal because the goal is just kind of like the, the bonus it's just the, the the cherry on top it's the right. treat at the end but you know the getting there is is the part that is really really cool. <laughs> I love it I love it yeah so that, that's cool it's a, it's a journey right it's uh it, it takes some time and uh just subtle improvements day over day and year over year and then that gets you gets you where you want to go but also I think you know if you had told me all those years ago that I'd be where I am now and still improving you know because Which is I awesome. think that I have not yet run my last and final PR um I think I don't know. I, I think I would have wanted to know that it would be super motivating, but yeah. I guess I know it now. So <laughs> that's awesome. That's, that's awesome. That's what keeps you coming back for for more, right? It's like all right, PRs are still in there, and yes. and the importance of continuing to uh, to push a little bit. Yes. So I love it. Well, how do we find out more about your you and your coaching program? And if anyone's interested in, in working with you, kind of walks through uh, how we get in contact with you. Yeah. So my. You know, but I keep my athlete roster small enough that when you reach out to me, I just, you know, I, I like to just email one-on-one -on -one and find out more about you and find out if we're a good fit. So um, my email address is um, Jenny at ClaytonPerformanceCoaching.com. And then I'm also super in, uh, active on Instagram. It's um, at Clayton.Performance.Coaching. Perfect. We'll yeah. link all that in the show notes. That yes. way people have Perfect. access to that. And um, Jenny, thanks so much for your time. And uh, we'll look forward to chatting again in the future. Fantastic. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for listening to the Nashville Fitness Podcast. This podcast was brought to you by our local physical therapy practice, Be Ready Performance Therapy. Head over to Instagram or our website. You can find us online at BeReadyPT.com or on Instagram at BeReadyPT. On our website as well as on Instagram, we'll have a bunch more great content in which we dive into things a little bit deeper on our blog as well as through our videos on Instagram. If you have any questions or comments of what you might like to hear or might like us to discuss on the podcast, please shoot us an email, chris at bereadypt.com or ross at bereadypt.com. It's our passion to answer your questions, so please don't hesitate to shoot us an email or a direct message. Also, we'd love it if you rated and subscribed to our podcast so that we can continue to make this podcast the best it can be.